somebody that is a phenomenal individual, he's an author, he's an educator, he's a father, he's got a lot to say and a lot to talk about, and he's here on his maiden voyage with the best radio. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dave Ellis. What's going on, Dave? Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm honored. I'm nah, honored. You know, you know, it's funny, when we, we first met... He thought you was homeless. <laughs> Every time I turn around here, he is. <laughs> Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, all right now. You here. Every time I put my wallet, take my wallet out, well, you turn away because you know he ain't got nothing to give you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and connection with 950, when we first came in, courtesy of Seth Pearl, who uh, put us on, we came to the studio, came here to where Nat Court Studio, the art gallery. And, and we came, you know, Dave was here and showed mm-hmm. us around. And uh, went outside with Ed. Ed gave me this look. And I've known Ed like 30 plus years. So Ed don't even have to say nothing. And I, I know what's going on in his head. And I said, I guess this ain't going to happen. And then obviously the world's changed. And now we're here at City Allen chopping up with uh, David Ellis and, and some of the things he's doing. And David, uh, you know, getting to know you a little bit and, and just, you know, what you provide. A phenomenal individual, man. I, I, I got to say, you are a phenomenal individual. Born and raised in Mount Vernon. Yeah. Sure. You know. <laughs> sure. It must have been Money the early. 70s. It was probably the 70s before nah, nah, we came. We're in the same era, yeah, actually. Same era. Oh, same well, era. Eight? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 We might know each other. Mm-hmm. We might have had Nah, he was on one but side David, for another David, side. David, <laughs> David got out before the fires came. <laughs> but again, talk about growing up in Mount Vernon. Oh, man, growing up in Mount Vernon, um, and we were talking about this earlier, it was, I have a book coming out called Concrete and Bricks. You know, you step out your house, the, the apartment building, it was the, the Chinese, the bodega, the pizza shop, and it was, you know, the summertime, it was the, the ice cream uh, truck, you know what I'm saying? So, but it was, when I look back on it, it was... Softy or was the Dyke truck? It was Miss Softy, it was Miss Softy. But it was, it was, when I look back on it, um, going to Mount Vernon, that was poetry right there. Mm-hmm. You know, that was poetry, and I'm reflecting on that, you know what I'm saying? So every, every poem is a, a Nas 
Nas I'm a big Nas guy He was my like he was growing up mm. You know so I have like Every title of the poem Is a Nas title You know what I'm saying I just break it down On my own My poetry Oh so man he, Heavy D got a problem With you and his family What do you mean You in Mount Vernon yeah. You quoting somebody In Queens What's wrong with you man Wait hold on Heavy D CL Smooth Might have I would a problem think, I would think it was a CL Smooth <laughs> and Rock, Listen bro. I was still at my house And always see Heavy D But it was something about It was something about Nas uh, His oh. lyrics That that was that, right. that was my That was my mm. So the writing okay. The writing gene The writing bug Was in you From even From you Yeah Big time and Big time again Writing was kind of Your escape I know we talked about Off mic um, just living in the concrete, yes. living in the bricks, and living around just you know, just activity that didn't really, for most folks, doesn't allow a mind to flourish. Yes, outside of just you know what your what your regular mundane is. Mm-hmm. How did you find your niche, kind of growing into like being the city? How did you find your niche to you know elaborate and get this this gift that uh, you know, cultivate? My thing, I would say, at going off to college. First time being by myself and just like wow, I'm on my own. And what this, school this, was this? Uh, Allen University in South Carolina. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He, he went, went way to, out. Yeah, he went, went out. He went, look, look, smiling. <laughs> That's my neighborhood. That's my folk. Yeah. So this is a kid going to Mount Vernon to like oh shit. Wow. I'm in. I'm in the South. I'm yeah. just like you know. In the so, woods. Yeah. <laughs> Strange so, food. Yeah. So I started this series called The Light, where I have like five books. That I would just write writing these poems down. You know what I'm saying? I still have the books, but it was just my reflection on just growing up. Yeah. You know, that was my time, my outlet to just like, because that energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. You know, and if it's not going to something positive, it's going to go to something negative. So, so, so you start in Mount Vernon, you make your way through, find yourself in South Carolina. Wouldn't you know that writing would be your. I mean, you've been writing, but you know, sometimes people just write mm-hmm. passions of love. Yeah. Wouldn't you know it would be something that other people would appreciate? I would say honestly when I made the New York Times. Mm. You know, when I made the New York Times I was like that writer he was like, Yeah, I wanna I wanna do a story on that and I was like, Wow. It's not about it's uh there's so many talented people in New York itself, but you just gotta be different. Yeah. You know, so like the whole that, that first New York Times article was like it was just about writing poetry on driftwood. But it was just different. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know what, we all have a story to tell. Now what was it that got you into writing itself? Mm. Uh, one of the things definitely growing up in a Pentecostal church. Pentecostal. Oh man. We <laughs> <laughs> all know we all know about Pentecostal churches. Oh, Eighteen years got rubbed in and olive oil every day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was our Ah oh, man. No, that means y'all need a lot of blessings. Exactly. <laughs> church. The teachers called those breezy. Yeah, go to Pentecostal church and I go back in my poetry, I'd be like, this is some spiritual stuff you're writing. Mm-hmm. But it was just like hearing like you're in a Pentecostal church, you in church from ten to like two. Ooh. And then we would eat dinner and then go back to church. And it was, it was, that was that was yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. ten to two. That was that was a light day. When I look back on it, church had a big impact on my life. You know, mm-hmm. a single mother raising two two boys, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, wow. You know, so hearing that those pastors' words, it's like my roots were still wet. Even when I went to college, I was like, nah, I don't want to see church anymore. But it was like, it felt weird not going. Right. You know, so. Did, but did you go to the Southern Pentecostal church where you don't come out? <laughs> Wait, you talking, about, you talking about the apostolic faith? Yes. There you, you go. go in, when you go in at 10, then you better have faith that you might leave by 8 at night, hopefully. Unless they will. <laughs> First Baptist 
That's when the that's when the milk carton came. People missing. It's when the church never came out. Well, no, my pastor was from Jamaica, so it was just like everyone's from the Caribbean and in my, in my church. You know. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so obviously, you finished up in South Carolina. You come back and you find yourself. And I might be wrong. It, help me if I'm not. You find yourself in the hamlet of Harlem. Yes, yes. My first job that I'm still uh, that I've been teaching twenty years. I've been there twenty years uh, since 2002. So Harlem's like my second home, you know. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I find myself in Harlem. I'm just like walking down Lenox Avenue, and I just it was just like I felt at home, you know. How does how does um, teaching actually impact your ability to write or what to write? Because uh, I see myself in them, you know. That's I like I see myself in them, and I see future authors. I see future, you know, uh, kids going into coding and stuff like that. So um, I see myself in them. You know, um, thank God for the grandparents because it's like a lot of households, you know, the, the father's not there, mother's not there, whatever, but it's just like grandparents and every household's different. Yeah. But I definitely see myself in them. That, that has allowed me to do this for 20 years, you know. You say you can mm-hmm. see yourself through other people. Mm-hmm. Can you see yourself through any of us? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he talking about, about, well, maybe you. Because, maybe you because he's talking, he talking, he talking about young, he's talking about young people. I can't. I, you know what? Hold for on us now. sitting in this room right now, I see passion. This is, this is, this is all passion right do now. Do me a favor. Take him, invite him to one of your classes. <laughs> what this? Look, wait, you teach? I'm, right. I'm the library tech coordinator, so I see, I see pre K three all the way to eighth grade. Right, I can teach him in the first grade. Pre K, first grade. No, I can definitely nah. teach him something. No, he no, be no, in pre K. First grade and see if he's smarter than the first grader. Ah, uh. because this man still believes there's 26 words in the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's sitting there like, I think I can. I think I can. You, see, see if he's smarter than the first grade. I'm telling you. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm dead. They think I'm joking. I'm dead serious. He's a great niece that'll give him a run for his money. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> Renaissance man, I can say um, I want to jump into this and then really get into it after the break. You wrote, obviously, your time in Harlem. is, is, is so much passion and love for Harlem. You wrote the book, uh, If Lennox, Lennox Avenue Can Talk. Yes. It, I think, again, if you take about when, when you started 2002 in Harlem to now, the metamorphosis Harlem. Yes. Good or bad, whatever frame you look at it from. Yeah. But I want to take a break, and I want to dive into that. Sounds good. About Harlem, about what's going on in Harlem, and about the book and some of your inspirations from that time. David Ellis, thank you. Happy Lounge, come on back. Come on, baby, I want to party. Come on, right to the dance floor. I want to swing the tail. And everybody's moving, so come on, keep on grooving. So if you want to party, come on and move your body. Come on and move your body, your body and your soul. So you can hear the DJ, he takes you in control. So step into the beat now. The dance floor, I wanna swing the tail And everybody's moving, so come on, keep on moving So if you want to party, come on and move your body Come on and move your body, your body and your soul So you can get the DJ, he takes you in control So step into the street now, the beat that makes you move The movement gives you power, the power to the groove Oh, 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 
Tune. This is Divine Touch. We at 950 Lounge. We're back on the Brian 950 Lounge in the morning. Still joined by author, educator, Mr. David Ellis. And uh, when we left off, dive into Lennox Ave. Now, Lennox Ave, man, and, and, and me and Rodeo, our father was a quintessential Harlem cat. And, you know, it goes back to the times when, like, when they made Shaft and Across 110th Street. And Harlem was totally different. Harlem was something different. It was going through a change. Right. That change started to take vision in the late um, 1990s to early 2000s when you came. Yes. As you've seen the metamorphosis, as you've seen kids grow and develop, what's your thoughts on Harlem, man? Oh, man. I mean, it's evolving, changing, just like anything. But um, the thing about Harlem since 2002 it's just just absorbing like I, I love photography mm-hmm. love photography but it, it was just to the point where I had to just like document this in words painting pictures with words you know so I have like my oldest students now like 28 you know I watch them grow up you know, they'll come back they're in college and they graduate from college Mr. Alex you still look the same whatever you know what I'm saying but it's sort of like and, and I let them know it's just like I want to inspire them, you know, and that's that's my goal to just inspire the youth. Um, if you want to go into real estate, if you want to stay in Harlem, this is what you got to do, man. You know, what if you want to stay anywhere? You know, you don't want you're not gonna be living with mom and dad, you know, for the rest of your life. It's so true you say that because uh, me and backstage the coach, you mm-hmm. football, and those young men are now fathers, fathers, yeah. grandfathers. No, I hope no, no. So, well, I think a couple more. <laughs> but um, again, just from a standpoint, I always say. Uh, Ghetto is a mindset. Yes. Right. They took Harlem. We seen what happened in the 60s and 70s in Harlem. And now it's $10 million brownstones. We've seen what's happening in different places. So if you take that mindset out and just realize that no matter where I'm at, I can always pivot. If I I wake up with air in my lungs, I can pivot. That change and that inspiration you're giving those kids is so... So it's, it's so needed and valued. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Now, the one thing I want to ask you yes. is looking from the time when you first started teaching mm-hmm. and then seeing those same students coming back to you. Yes. What is it that they tell you that they thank you for, for, oh, for I love, from the I love, time when you started with them? I love that question. It would be conversations I have in the lunchroom <laughs> <laughs> that, that I totally forgot about. Remember, Mr. Ellis, when you said this, and I'd be like, wow, he remembered that. She remembered that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like just taking that time out to just like have that conversation with them. They, I'll see kids come to school and like some are crying, some are sad, or whatever. It's just you don't know what's going on in the household, but it's just like they're they're in the school for eight hours. That's a long time. Yes, you know they're longer they're longer with us than they are home. Yeah, you know? it's so, second home. Yeah, and I always always say that behind every successful person is always somebody that that is embedded in somebody's mind that gave them. The desire and the push. A lot of times, this teacher. You hear a lot of celebrities always say, "Yeah, this this teacher instilled instilled me to go forward." You know, yes. and they also got some people. They, they talk about teachers that discouraged them, but yes. it's always somebody 
that leaves uh, leaves something leaves an imprint on your life. For and you that, and that person was my mom. You know, she was like she was like my superhero. You know, I would I would see it walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she she still she still teaches at my uh, elementary school. You know, she's right, retiring this year. But like coming back from school, coming home, you know the. The drug dealers where everybody with their with their pants hanging down, they'll pull them up, they'll stop cursing. Oh, Mrs. Mrs. is coming, you know what I'm saying? So I wanted that power, you know. She had that power, it was sort of like uh, that's respect. Yeah, that's respect. That's beautiful. Yeah, you gotta earn that. Yeah, and she's like five five, you know. But small. I think it was different then than it is now. Like your mom could walk the block, yes, and those drug dealers would see her and be like, "Oh, not chill." Like that's not who yeah. it is now. These kids nowadays, for some reason, I don't know what has happened, and maybe you can look into it because you, you've dealt with these kids for yeah. so long, but the same qualities and the respect of life is just much different. Yeah, you just saw Bronx 12 News two days ago. Dude um, robbed a mother and son in you know, a yeah. walk-in, and I'm just yeah. like, like, what's going on? You know? Right. I don't know if it's our educational system or if it's just the system in general as a whole. Yeah. I, I just wonder what happened to the, the old 90s, 2000s where we actually have respect for people I, and, you know, appreciate it, though. Personally, me, I think, just to answer your question on that aspect of it, I think it's us. When we was all growing up, a lot of us did not, that had kids, did not turn around and teach the kids the right way and respecting right way. Because kids now, you look at them, a lot of them is all about microwave stuff. They need things here. They need things now. And then they never was brought up with a lot of, like a lot of parents that was out there running around and not taking care of their own kids, wind up the kids taking care of themselves. And now they don't have the respect as they used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, remember when we did something wrong, either our parents is going to get us, our grandparents or somebody in the neighborhoods, somebody in the neighborhood is going to get you. Now everybody's like, I care about my four walls. I'm not going out there and worry about anybody else's kid. You're and right. that's the situation now. Somewhere along the line, and maybe it is the Gen Xers that the, the 80s babies that, you know, began to have kids younger where I think I think really crack up. When you think about it, those babies were having babies. Grandma was having to take care of the kid. Grandma doesn't necessarily going back to what I said about the grandparents, yeah. Right. Yeah. The family structure's kind of, you know, the falls are not around. And again, if you don't have that structure, that balance, you starts to decay. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a gradual effect. To the point now, I think we have kids that necessarily just don't love themselves. If I don't love me, how can I care about you? Hey, well, you know, if I don't look at me and see and see greatness, like what Dave is trying to teach his kids in school, what we did at with, with football perspective, I yeah. can't see it. If I can't wipe the mirror and see it, then, then hey, if I'm hopeless, then everybody's hopeless. And I think that's what we see a lot with, with not just our young people, but with even our young adults that they don't see they don't see uh, a pathway, and that's scary. Another thing I look at too, just to piggyback off what you said, is also desensitization. They're being desensitized because a lot of things that you see, even though we had horror movies and stuff out there back then, but now you're seeing it more and more at younger ages, and so people don't fear death. They don't fear the um, repercussions. They don't care about a lot of different things like they used to. Because, I mean, many of us, we knew if we did something, we're going to get our butt whips or we're going to get hurt or we're going to die. Right. And we was always fearful of that. Most kids don't have that like they used to no more. I was scared of jail growing up. These kids out here want to go to jail growing up. <laughs> I don't understand. Listen, yeah. I, I, I ain't going to say I'm clean and whatever, but I did whatever I did and I learned my lesson. Yes. But I would never want to go back. I'm watching these kids. They don't care. Take me. I don't care. I want to go back. That's my home. Well, so, oh. it, it, it's, it's a fact that I'm not going to say 
they don't care. See, they don't they they have this image to say they don't care, but the reality is when you get in this situation, oh, you're going to care. But right now, you don't care because you don't see yourself getting in that situation. Yeah. One of my know? biggest teachers, my uh, my brother, went to prison for 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So I would just look forward to seeing his letters every week, every week. So even though I wasn't in prison, it was just like I felt like I, could, yeah, I couldn't like uh, breathe until I got that letter. You know, this is before, you know, you just that's the only way you know. Yeah. It's a phone call. You know, so I, mm-hmm. the main thing that I didn't want to disappoint my mom. You know, so that was just like, ah, you know, so. Do your brother, you think your brother want to do a book? I mean, you look like he got memoirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, he definitely has books inside of him, you know. But, um, yeah, the main thing, I didn't, definitely didn't want to disappoint my mom. And it set me off, like, on a positive route. Like, yeah. don't do that. You Have know? you ever thought of collaborating with your brother? You know what? I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. You bring your brother here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> something you need to hear and learn by cash as well. We'll take another break. We'll come back now. I definitely want to get into you know, the books. Definitely. Some of the things you got going on. You got something new happening. Yes. That you know, kind of almost mistakenly actually <laughs> David Ellis, Nafi Loud. Come on back. <laughs> you guys are good, man. Oh, God. It set me off like on a positive route. Like, yeah. don't do that. You Have know? you ever thought of collaborating with your brother? You know what? I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe bring your brother here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> something you need to hear and learn by cash as well. We'll take another break. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. I definitely want to get into you know, the books. Definitely. Some of the things you got going on. You got something new happening. Yes. That you know, kind of almost. Mistakenly actually <laughs> David Ellis Not be loud Come on back
Yo, this is Stevie D. You're locked into 950 Lounge. We're back on the ride. Now we now off the educated Dave Ellis. Again, let's let's dive into uh, if Lennox Avenue could talk. And I guess depending <laughs> on when you're on Lennox Avenue, what time, what era, what year, they have different words for different people. I know, but, I, I know um, it's say one word. Bro, <laughs> that I found, I'm going to pull out. 90 degrees on Lennox. That's when you're walking down, seeing the people and uh, the environments, the cars running by, inspired your writings. Talk about that movie. Yeah, um, going back to photography, I love photography, but um, I had to just give poetry my all. I'm a, I'm a walking sponge when it comes to walking down anywhere, whether it's City Island or um, Lenox Avenue, you know, so I'm just soaking it up. Right. You know, um, of course, inspired by James Baldwin, if Bill Street could talk, you know, so I just did a little twist on it. But um, just walking down, it's all about, like, I write haiku, and haiku is basically like a, it's a lifestyle. It's just you stay in the moment. You know, you could be walking, but you could be thinking about something else. So, like, when I walk down Lenox Avenue, I'm absorbing everything, mm. you know. So, um, a lot of my books from... Kind of like in a trance, like, when you're walking, even though you, you know your whereabouts, but you're walking, you're going, oh, wow, somebody's cleaning the street. Oh, somebody's yeah. <laughs> Oh, this car ran a light. Is it, is it to that point where you can pick out something and go, I got my muse? Yeah, it's, I, yeah. The music it's all over, and it's more and more spiritual. I mean, it's more spiritual than anything. It's like what what's happening inside, not just like what you're seeing. Or what what are you what are you feeling also? You know, so the Jamaican guy doing the jerk chicken on the you know on the on the on the grill, or you know, <laughs> what are you smelling? The five senses, you know, um, the still barrel, you know, no. So that stays with you, you know, that stays with you. Yeah. yeah. You keep the positive stuff, right? Because you don't want to go down the block yeah. to the other side of the street. Squawling! They be like, no, it's crazy you said that, but go to, go to Mount Vernon, you would hear, yo, yo, Tyrone, throw the keys down. Throw the keys down. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, man. <laughs> now, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you is um, when you're looking at I mean, when you're looking at writing some your books and everything else, how long does it take you to really get the format of the book and make it to the way the fruition to how you want it to be right now? Um, for when the book comes out? No, before like all the process before you. Um, honestly, it's it's the same thing with writing, uh, doing music. I think you know, like I, um, I did a I did an album called um, what do you call it? Um, Love on Lennox. And I hooked up with a solo pianist, you know, and um, we just did this album in the, cause my, my school's connected to the church. We did the album like an hour, you know, it's nice. just sort of like I chose nine poems from the book. And like we did this, we did it because I just wanted to collaborate with, uh, with music. You know, I, I always wanted to take poetry outside of the book. But um, it's, the, the process is, is it's really simple. You know, as long as you, um, I, I write not to impress. You know, I don't want to impress anyone. It's all about what I feel. And then just put, just put it out there. Now you got Lennox snitching on each other. Where are you going to go with the book? <laughs> because, yo, listen, man. If, if Lennox could talk, I seen him kill him. I seen that. I seen that man. <laughs> but now you got the book out and everything. Yeah. Where you where you want to propel the book? I mean, you want to go global. You know, you want you want everybody to, to witness. Slowly, that's told. what I want to do. You know, um, but I think it's sort of like how things grow. You know, like nothing. I want to start at home, the home base. Oh, just mm -hmm. like um, a lot of people don't see things come to fruition because they don't stay in it long enough. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, whether it's either a relationship, where you live, where you work, you know. So um, I got a chance to see my students come back. That's almost thirty. I got a chance to see a lot of things happen. You know, so um, no, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful process. Mm -hmm. We come from. We come from a mother. That wow. That when you sent me 
Now nah, that guy always told me I'm buying a book. I gotta jump on a plane. I need five hours. <laughs> and I was, I asked my mother. I said, What do you think about Leonard? I'm like, Boy, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Your mom grew up in the 30s and 40s. What? What do you mean, Lennox? But once she calmed down and answered my question, it was like, wow, Lennox was, was, was kept a lot. Gotcha. It was a time in her life where, like, you know, growing up, you know, with, with modest means, nobody knew they had modest means because they didn't know what they were for. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, Joe Lewis fights on the radio when, um, you know, my father was quintessential Harlem cat. You know, had going to Mr. B's where rodeo was. It was right across the streets from Smalls, um, Smalls Cafe. Wow, wow, wow. That's I was going to work with him when, like in the early, like in the because I'm the seventies. In the seventies, that's why I I seen how Harlem was with the drug and and the heroin epidemic. Where you would go down blocks that now they got those ten million dollar browns. They couldn't even give those brownstones away in the eighties. They were boarded up. They were city was selling for a dollar. It's crazy, you know, crazy. and just to see the the metaphors of Harlem, not just Harlem, all around New York City. Yeah, you know, so it's a it's a good thing, yeah. but it's also a negative. Yeah, because that regentification, and I hope I say the word right, that is a true we, we statement. Can, you didn't make it right. He said it right. He said it right. He said it right. I give him credit. He said it right. You got it right. Some of my words when I pass them, uh-huh. I say it right. Talking about yes. We talked one of the previous that about in 2022. Several changes that your kids are experiencing. Yes. Where almost there's like two Harlem's where you know if you go down, you cross 125th, you know you got eateries and. Cafes and you can go beyond 135th, 140th, it's still, still, still Harlem. Yeah. Um, but it's moving. Right. When you explain that to your kids about what's important or where they can go and what they can reach for, do, do they ever come back and take in the fact that, hey, well, dude, I understand what you're saying, Mr. Ellis, but this is my reality. Yeah. How do you balance that to somebody who they get that? I mean, one of the things I love about my job is when it comes to middle school, I teach current events. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and we talked about this earlier, it's just for them to know what's going outside of their bubble. Yeah. You know, they have to read. Yeah. You know, they have to read. And in our generation, they're not doing enough reading. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If any books that I could put in their direction in an article, it make you think, you know, outside of yourself. You know, one of the one of the books, my, my godfather, who's my assistant principal in elementary school, put me in touch with my college. And um, he gave me a book, uh, The Life and Lessons of Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I read that book thick, intimidating, but I finished it. Yeah. And when I started working here is the sign in front of my school where Marcus Garvey gave his first speech you know um, and where his my our school cafeteria is where he had where his memorial was you know so it was sort of like God puts everything in you know it's ironic yeah full circle man but it's so. ironic that book you know that book, it was a heavy book yeah. you read it I got hit with it but it was, <laughs> it was a powerful statement I sure didn't work Educated extraordinaire. Um, we got a few minutes left. Uh, I can't thank you enough. We, we gonna definitely have you back. Thank you. Now, He's always around. <laughs> He's always welcome to pop in. Come on in. Miles was making part of the team at this point. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> you got the new book coming. Out. Yes. I want you to touch on that a little bit because I think it has some real significance and just again. 
your writing style with what you pick up, what you've learned, what you've acquired. Talk about the new book. Well, the new book is something that I'm uh, going into that I'd never done before, short stories. You know, it's, it's called Come Sunday in, in Harlem, and I'm just touching in characters that I mentioned in my first two books about Harlem, you know, so uh, I'm just playing with these characters, whether it's the waitress or whether it's the reverend, you know, um, and just fleshing the characters out, you know, so that's 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 the next book. So the, the names of the, the protect the innocent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the name is David Ellis, author, educator, renaissance man. Where can people reach out to you, find more information about the book? Um, so, um, Free Like the Seagulls is my Instagram, and I decided to start uh, my own bookstore called Free Like the Seagulls Bookstore. You know, the name was inspired by a book that I did with my son who, when he was six at the time, so he did the, the illustrations. Yeah, he did the illustrations. So I was <laughs> like, you know, eventually we'll do like you know, some merchandise and stuff like that in the future, but I wanted to just like, I just, I just stuck with the name. You see, it's always something. To, is there a family of doctors, family of lawyers, your family of teachers? Yes. I'm going to see what my family is. Again, <laughs> David, David what's your social media? One more time. Uh, free Like the Seagulls. Free Like the Seagulls. Again, go check this man out. Learn from him. Reach out to him because you might learn something. David, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm honored. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Break, break, keep this thing moving. The best team in radio. Now, Free Lounge. Come on back. <laughs> you got that confidence. Oh, you may learn something. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Cosby Show? Yeah, you may learn something for us. Yeah. See, it's always something. To, is there a family of doctors, family of lawyers, your family of teachers? Yes. I'm see what my family is. Again, <laughs> David Ellis. What's your social media? One more time. Uh, free like the seagulls. Free like the seagulls. Again, go check this man out. Learn from him. Reach out to him because you might learn something. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm honored. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Keep this thing moving. The best team in radio. Now, Free Lounge. 